You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Cam Chancellor comes up and just unloads. Number 31, clean his clock. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. Russell has time, fires down the middle. Got his man, Baldwin. He is in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Doug Baldwin again. Powered by Seahawks.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Seahawks Insider Podcast as we get you ready for the Week 14 matchup between the Seahawks and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And by we, I mean the fine young gentleman joining us today. That would be John Boyle from Seahawks.com. Not often I get called young anymore. Thanks, friend. I, I thought you were going to go with gentlemen was the thing you don't get called very often well, anymore. But touche. That's, you know, whichever, whatever shoe fits there. Also joining us, Aaron Johannes from Seahawks.com. Solemn. Ah, we're back to learning a new language. Yeah. And I am Jen Mueller, sideline reporter for your Seattle Seahawks. And I got to say, it was super fun on the sidelines last week when the Eagles came to town. There were some nerves before that game. I, I, not from the players. I think from me and from a lot of fans. But the way the Seahawks started the game, finished the game, I know that they didn't really put their foot on the gas necessarily, but they showed up in ways that we have not seen for an entire four quarters this year. Yeah, what really excited me about that was just the defense. There's been so much written and said about no Richard Sherman, no Cam Chancellor. It's the end of an era and all this stuff. And then it's like, look, there's still a lot of really good players on that defense. I mean, we're talking five guys who have been to Pro Bowls, not including all the injured guys, Cliff Averill also. And just all this talent they have, it's like, you know what? A lot of teams would still gladly switch defensive rosters with the Seahawks. And to go out, I mean, this is the second time this year they've held the league's number one scoring offense to 10 points. Just pretty awesome accomplishment. And all of a sudden, I mean, that game, it's only one game and everyone's important. I get all that. But that really, I think, changed the feeling of the rest of the season. I would agree. And you know what? Those guys on defense, they were ticked off. And they're not just ticked off because... People, you know, had made them the underdog against the Eagles. They're ticked off that they keep having to answer questions about how come they're not as good as the predecessors. Exactly. And it's, you know, look, 2013 was historically great defense, and it's probably not fair to ask any team to repeat it. Or, But you look at what they have talent-wise and the way they've played. They've Look, they've had a couple games that are not at their best this year, but Overall, their body of work, I mean, they've held every opponent but three under 18 points. That's that's still a heck of a defense, and they're still, I mean, you've still got the best free safety in football back there, a couple pro bowlers on the defensive line, a couple pro bowlers or linebackers. That's still awfully good. You've also got the best quarterback in the fourth quarter of games, but Aaron, he wasn't just good in the fourth quarter. To see the Seahawks come out of the gates firing, I think that changed the complexity of the entire game. Yeah, that was huge. Uh, they scored, obviously, 10 points in the first quarter, which was amazingly the most um, well, not the, the most that the Eagles have allowed in the first quarter of the whole year. Well, they've only allowed 18, 18. points coming yeah. in in the, the first quarter. Year. That's yeah. amazing to think about that. Like, 18 the whole year? Like, that's amazing to think about that. And so for them to start off the way that they did, not only just even just passing, but, I mean, they didn't have too much rushing. I think Mike Davis only had 19 rushing yards in the first quarter, but they still had somewhat of a spark on offense in that running game still. So that was a really big first quarter for them. Obviously getting Jimmy involved was nice too. He's, I mean, doing nothing but scoring touchdowns now with DeAndre Hopkins and Antonio Brown for the most in the league. So 
Um, offensively, it was a great start for them, and Russ just continued to, to start the game, and he even finished it late as well. That that drive where it ended in the touchdown to J.D. McKenzie, I, I tweeted this, but I thought that was like an MVP drive right there. Like the way that he came down and that he drove them down to, to, to finish him off right there, I thought that was the MVP drive right there from him. So um, it was a great offensive performance for them, especially against one of the teams like the Eagles who um, were stout defensively in the secondary and their pass rush, and they held up really good against them. And I'm curious, just as kind of I was making my notes and I was going back over the game, here's my question about that win against the Eagles. How much credit does the offense get for jumping out to a lead and forcing the Eagles to play from behind, which they have not done very often this year? How much credit goes to the defense for clearly having Carson Wentz off his game and just being there with pressure the entire game? And and how much do we just chalk it up to, yeah, maybe Carson Wentz wasn't on his game enough? Because I'm trying to figure out where my emotion level should be going into this week's game. Uh, I've Go. been I've been um, pretty adamant about the offense, how they improved. I'm going to give a little bit more to the defense. I think I'm going to give them, like, what, 60-40 um, to the defense. Defense gets credit, more yeah. credit than the offense. Yeah, slightly more than the offense. And I say this because, one, you held Carson Wentz to 45 passing yards in the first half. That's amazing to think about. And then also, you just look at the numbers that they had the last two weeks. They've had 25 quarterback hits in the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing amount of pressure. And you do that against an offensive line like Phillies, that's amazing. Um, and then you just look at the season that Bobby's been having. Bradley McDougal had a great game as well. Oh, he did. So, I mean, just looking at th- that performance on top of the pass rush that they had with Frank Clark, Bradley. Um, I mean, Justin Coleman got a sack coming off the edge. KJ had a, almost had a sack as well. He came off off the edge. He had block, a hurry, so. yeah. Fourth down play. Yeah. yeah that, I, I mean, there were just so many big plays from the defense in that game. And it, it shouldn't completely outshine the offense and the improvement that they showed. But that the defense was just dominant to me. Yeah, I'd I'd lean defense, but I think the fact that we're debating that is why it's the best performance, like team performance they've had. Is that it wasn't a clear cut. Like the Houston one was a lot of fun, but that was a game the offense carried them. They've had other games where you know the Rams game that was a great win. Defense carried them. This was a game where you you know it was a real team effort, and that's I think why Pete Carroll's so excited about it. Well, and I think that it's coming at the time that you need it to happen. And there is just something different. I can't quite put it into words, but when you walk into this locker room in December, you know that you have stepped into an entirely different environment. It's crazy. But every year, consistently, they feel like a different team in December. Yeah, they're 20-5 and five in December in those couple January games. So basically, December on, they're 20-5 and five in the regular season since 2012. Best record in the NFL. It, and it, it's... It's not just, you know, you can flip a switch and assume it's going to happen, but it does give you some confidence in knowing that the way Pete Carroll coaches his team, the messaging, the way they practice, everything about it is geared towards, look, it's you want to be good all year, but what's most important is playing your best football at the right time. And you go back even to Pete Carroll at USC, his teams have always done that. He's got a real knack for getting teams ready to peak late in the season, and it sure feels like we're seeing that yet again. Part of Pete Carroll's coaching philosophy is making sure that the players are comfortable in their environment. And he does that by talking to players who are facing their former team. So last week he had conversations with Marcus Smith, with Byron Maxwell, who had 
previously been with the Eagles. This week, he's had a conversation with Luke Jokel because he knows that playing a former team, well, it's a big deal. It, it is a big deal. It's how you do it. I mean, it's yeah, it's natural. I, mean, I, I know what like I'm saying. I know that that situation. <laughs> you know, I've felt that. And I know what it does to you and how it works you up and all that. And, and you, I think you have to manage it well and make sure that it doesn't get you out of the game that you're capable of playing. Luke will be fine. I haven't talked to him yet about that. Have you, have you or, or if, have you had a player who went off the rails about that? Did, the way maybe I'm all but, personally. There, yeah. there was a time, I'll, I'll tell you the story here. I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, I got fired at Buffalo uh, years ago. I, I don't think I've ever talked about this, but I will. I got fired at Buffalo uh, years ago, and uh, a bunch of guys got fired off that staff because we had a terrible year. We were 2-14 and 14 or something. It was an awful team. And uh, the next year in the game four, we were playing. Uh, we were, we were going to play the bills and i was at the vikings and i i was standing i mean i was i told the players during the week i said help me out i'm so crazy because i was so pissed that i got fired you know and i was all stupid about it and everything and i was anyway so i i made a big deal about it to try to get them fired up too and and uh, i'm standing in pregame and they're warming up and i'm standing next to coach grant and and i said hey hey coach do you ever you because know, i'm i mean like i'm I'm berserk. I'm, you know, I want to kill him. I don't want to, you know, whatever. It was stupid. And uh, just young coach issues. And uh, I said, Coach, because you know, he's just standing, just the epitome of calm and poise and all that, as he always was. I said, hey, Coach, you ever get nervous? He said, damn right I get nervous. What are you talking about? Of course I do. You think I'm not human? You know, and he, you know as he always did, put me in my place. And and because uh, I was going crazy at the time, and he was just looked like he was so chilled. And uh, anyway, so that was, that's where that game started. And Fortunately, we won the game late in the game. Teddy Brown scored a touchdown on the Statue of Liberty, which is an awesome play uh, that Jerry Burns called. And, and we win the game, and, and uh, I bust out of the out of the. I'm in the press box. I bust out of the press box. I'm, I'm looking for the owner of <laughs> the Bills. And luckily, Paul Wigan, who was in the box, uh, talked me some sense and, and got me straight, so I didn't screw it up and be just a total idiot. So. It's a bad story, but it's 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 a it's a fun memory. And he wasn't sure what he was going to do if he found him, but <laughs> I just love that. Yeah, you know, just kind of you know maybe get, give him a little something. But uh, yeah, he was talked down from that, and he's you know since learned to kind of treat it more the same. And you know, there's obviously emotions involved, and you know, Byron Maxwell is a guy who went to Philadelphia with for a lot of money, and it was a big splashy signing, and it didn't work out there. So you know, when a team gives up on you. Luke Jokels was a little different because he was a free agent and he, you know, he could have gone back there, but the situation just worked out better for him here. But yeah, it's, you know, guys are human and you want to make sure they're in the right place going into a game so they don't kind of get out of whack and do something they shouldn't. Luke Jokel and Dwayne Brown have certainly solidified things on the left side of the Seahawks line. It's coming at a very good time because the Jacksonville defense is the best in the NFL. Jacksonville is favored by odds makers in this game. Those are two statements I did not anticipate saying about the Jaguars when the schedule was released. This is a good game to remind you. You can't do the old exercise when the schedule comes out in April. And mark the W's Win, loss, win, 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 loss, loss, win. Because, boy, yeah, a trip to Jacksonville last spring, you thought, oh, that won't be too bad. And now all of a sudden they are. That defense is legit. It is really good. And I'm thinking that it might be – it might be good that they're coming off of this game against the Eagles because in a lot of ways, Jacksonville's doing the things that the Eagles were doing prior to that game. But, you know, it is like a mirror image, I think, when you look at Jacksonville's defense. 
It's very scary. And they have a guy who's obviously been playing the Seahawks for a couple of years, Clayus Campbell, who's up there for a defensive player of the year. I think he's what? He probably is the main guy right now. Him, Cameron Jordan, Bobby Wagner, the main three for defensive player of the year. And he's got 12 and a half sacks in the year, too. So um, they, I mean, they're just stacked right now on the defensive line. But they also, I mean, their secondary is just amazing with Jalen Ramsey, um, A.J. Boye. Um, they, they just have a lot of talent all across the board. And I'm, I mean, it's it's terrifying to just see like how much talent they have and how much you know how young they are too. So um, it's gonna be a good matchup, though. It is, but you know what should be terrifying for everybody else, not just them, but whoever has to face the Seahawks. You know that offensive line, <clears throat> and it's been such a, a point of conversation all year long for the Seahawks. There still is more left for them. And I had the conversation with Dwayne Brown this week, and and he said he is so frustrated with himself right now, which. I think is a ridiculous statement to make because we see the difference that he's made, not just on the left side of the line. We've seen the difference that he's made in that room, and we've seen the difference that he's specifically made with Jermaine Effetti. And he shared with me, he said, I have played hurt in three of the last four games. I can't go to practice. He goes, do you understand what that's doing to me? I didn't get to practice at the beginning of the year. And now, thankfully, I can have conversations with Luke Jokel, and and he and I can do this together. But, you know, like... I, I'm still not 100%, and I want to be 100%. Yeah. That's a scary thought for opponents who have to face the it Seahawks. It is, because, I mean, he he's provided a big upgrade for this offensive line from the second he walked in here. And this is, you know, this will be his fourth game with limited or no practice. It, you know, last week he practiced once. The week before, he didn't practice at all. And the week before that, coming off the injury, he didn't. So that he's still doing this and helping this line be better in the state he's in now, you know, he's going to just keep getting better slowly. And once he does get back to being fully healthy and practicing that, you know, you mentioned the left side, Luke Jokel being a veteran guy who's back healthy. And, you know, those three with Justin Britt, that's a very, that's something you can really build off of with those guys. The other, um, I would say when you when you start looking at kind of where the offense has improved, still has the capability of improving, every time you look at Doug Baldwin's numbers, you think that Doug can't possibly get any better. And yet he continues to come through in these really big moments. And I know that Jacksonville has a good defense, but I know that Jalen Ramsey has not seen a receiver like Doug Baldwin who can do what he does on third downs. Right, and I mean Jalen Ramsey is arguably one of the best. I mean he is one of the best cornerbacks in the league. But I think it's going to be that that matchup right there is probably be probably the what's that the best matchup of the the game? I I think I would say one of for sure. I think, yeah. I well, mean, that, or, and only I mean the I mean, trash he, talking if, between the two of them is going to be like right up there. If people want to go to Seahawks dot com and on <laughs> Friday and read our key matchups feature, you might see that in there. Yeah, nice. <laughs> little little subtle plug. Nice. Um, I I think, but I think that's going to be the most important. Like not most important, but the most entertaining matchup to watch um, just because we know that Jalen Ramsey's personality. He, he likes to get in guys' head. That's part of his, his game. And uh, overall, I think, I mean, I don't think Doug is going to be phased by that. I, I don't. I, th- I think Doug's been in the league for too long now and, and the well, role that he's come along, I think it just doesn't And who has Doug Baldwin been practicing against for a decade now? Like, <laughs> if anyone is prepared to hear a cornerback chirp throughout a game and try to mess with him, it's Doug Baldwin. He's, yeah. you know, 
He's had a nearly a lifetime of Richard Sherman across from him. Yes. And and don't you just think, I mean, I, I'm going to be looking for the little smirk on Doug's face because I know that he's just going to wait for the right moment to deliver a zinger. Or yep. come up with a third down play because 36 of his 63 receptions this year have gone for first downs, and he has had a lot of explosive plays. He is the go-to guy when you're looking for that. And uh, Russell knows that he can be counted on on third down. And Doug said, I really like that situation. I know what the state are so does everybody else they all know where you're trying to get to on the field it forces you to focus in and that's really where he excels well and especially in a game where we're talking about these defenses and how good they are and you know this could easily be one of those low scoring games that's frustrating for fans you just keep waiting for that moment this could be the kind of game where that one second half play or maybe russell wilson creates a little magic or whatever it is you just need that one big third down conversion or that one big play and if you need that one play out of any receiver on that field, I'm taking Doug Baldwin. I would definitely take Doug Baldwin. Also, I am not going to let this conversation end without giving proper credit again to the Seahawks defense in this matchup because I know that everybody is talking about Jacksonville, Saxonville, whatever we want to say, and they do deserve a lot of credit. However, I think this defense is primed and ready to go against a team who likes to run the ball – and that has been one of the Seahawks' strength in stopping that run. Outside of week three, two, and three, nobody's getting anything on these guys. Yeah, they've really turned that up since the beginning of the year. I think what was the last – the last, I guess, big performance was who? Carlos Hyde? DeMarco Murray. The or week. DeMarco yeah, Murray. Back-to-back yeah. weeks. Those two guys, no one's yeah. gone. 54 yards is still the high for a running back yeah. since then. Yeah, so they've – I mean, since then, it's just completely turned around this whole season. And I don't, I don't know if there's something that's changed specifically or if this is just – um, like some early rust or whatever it was, but I mean it changed a lot compared to at the beginning of the season. So, but this is I, I, but right now this is the biggest test though. This is the first, um, this is the number one ranked offense when it comes to running the ball. You got Leonard Fournette, obviously. You got Chris Ivory. Um, this is probably the biggest challenge. So I, I will say this. Well, I, uh, since last week, because well, yeah. the Eagles came in. <laughs> but, but I say that because it's good that they've just faced a team that had that component yeah. to it. Right, and and and, and also Philly had. A better offensive line. They had three running backs that are doing it for them too. So that is a good. That's a good point. That's true. Here's what I'm going to say about Jacksonville's offensive line. So here's what surprised me about this matchup. I was looking at the numbers and I knew that their defense was off the chart. It surprised me to see where their offense is, and it surprised me. It shouldn't. I mean, we know that the ground game is contributing significantly because Blake Bortles is coming off of his best passing game of the season, but has been inconsistent in that regard. That offensive line has allowed just 20 sacks this season, and they have not allowed a sack in three games this year, which seems to be a little bit nutso. (laughs) (laughs) Nutso, good word. Yeah, no, going three games without a sack is, and that is very crazy. And and that's why you hear teams, you hear Pete Carroll talk about wanting to be able to run the ball, is you take so much pressure off your line if – a, just the frequency of pass plays is less, so you have fewer chances to sack the quarterback. But B, the defense doesn't know what's coming, and they have to respect the run more, and it just gives your line a little more help in the pass blocking. So, yeah, I mean, that that unit is doing a good job. And, you know, I think uh, Bortles sometimes I think it's a little unfairly classified as a guy who can't do anything but not screw it up. It's kind of – I mean, there's there's some element of that. But he showed last week he he can make some plays as well. But for sure it starts with – 
you know, he makes plays in the context of having a good running game where he's got that support. So if you can take that away from him, then, yeah, I don't know how much he's going to be able to do against this defense if it's third and eight all the time. Well, and that's kind of why I was bringing this all back around. If the Seahawks follow the same blueprint as last week, you force him into something that he's not very comfortable in doing. I think also when you look at the the stop and the run, I think it's most important to look at who Jaron and Sheldon. And they've both been playing amazing the last few weeks as well. And you mentioned Leonard Fournette, who has been their you know, primary ball carrier outside of a couple of weeks where he missed with an injury. The trend is actually going on the downhill slide for him in the last four games. And I'm not going to count any chickens before they're hatched or whatever the cliche that you want to put in there. <laughs> but there is a chance. You know, now you're starting to get to that point in the year where if you're a rookie, your season has exceeded what down. you have played in college. And you're starting to get tired and run down. And to your point with Sheldon and Jaron there in the middle, they could have some opportunities because it took him 20 carries to get 45 yards last week against the Colts. That's a lot of attempts for not many yards per carry. That that's a lot. That looks a lot like some recent running back performances we've seen against Seattle. These teams that want to run the ball just they're trying, but it's it's tough sledding right now against this defense. And he had 2.9 yards per carry on those. 20 carries that he got. And then the week before against Arizona, he had 12 for 25 with 2.1. Uh, so the last two weeks for Leonard Fournette have kind of been down for him. So this could be an, uh, it could be the third straight week. I like the trend to continue for <laughs> Leonard Fournette. And I like the trend to continue for the Seahawks defense. And uh, we will be here to break down this game next week. Hopefully we're looking at a win as the Seahawks continue their run in December. But until next week, have a good one.